Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 131. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. If you live in California or anywhere near Los Angeles or can get to Los Angeles, In the next couple weeks, as we release this podcast at the end of June, Old Pre-Meds is having their annual pre-med conference. Now, Old Pre-Meds is traditionally for non-traditional students, but it can be for any pre-med out there. If you go to oldpremeds.org slash conference, go check out the information for the 15th annual conference, the Old Pre-Meds conference in Los Angeles from June 11th through June 13th. Now I'm looking at the page right here and it's got a ton of great information, uh, a ton of great speakers that will be there speaking, including the a past chair of the American Medical Association who is a non who was a non-traditional student. You have pre-med advisors, you have uh, directors of postback programs, you have people that you need to be networking with. These are awesome people. Now Allison, hi Allison. Hello. We went to an old pre-meds conference once. Yes, we did. What did you think about it? It was great. It was awesome. It was uh, really inspirational, I think, uh, seeing a lot of non-trads, people really, really, really excited and motivated to become physicians. Yeah. And I spoke at that one a couple years ago in D.C. And I think I heard only positive things from that conference and then... Last year, uh, I wanted to go but couldn't. We had a baby at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, a new baby, so we couldn't go. But a lot of students went on our recommendation from the podcast, and they loved it. So if if you can get in short notice to Los Angeles, June 11th through 13th for the old pre-meds conference, you need to go. Go check it out. And when you get there, say hi to Rich. He's he's the director of 
of old premeds and tell them you you heard about the pod uh, you heard about the conference on the podcast. So awesome, Allison. Yes. How you doing? I'm good. Wonderful. How are you? You said that already, didn't you? I think I think we had this already. This yeah. this little interlude. Deja vu. It's late. It is late as we're recording this. Yeah. So so here's a sneak peek behind the scenes of the medical school headquarters podcast. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> We scramble for a podcast to do the night before it's supposed to come out. <gasps> Shocker. I know. Um, it's almost 9.30 at night. I'm actually interviewing a guest for next week's podcast after we finish this interview. So we need to finish up quick. <laughs> but it, sometimes we don't have topics or I don't have a, an interview that we're going to post. And so Allison and I sit down and try to think about something. And this week it took us a little bit longer than normal, which is why we're recording later. But we came across a, a great article on Kevin MD. Allison, why don't you talk about it? So as Ryan said, we sometimes have very well-researched and planned out episodes that we know about weeks in advance. And other times we have great guests, like Ryan is about to uh, interview later tonight. But sometimes we honestly want to be a little bit spur of the moment and look for inspiration and think about things that are really in the news and very recent because uh, it's a it's a growing, moving thing, this, uh, this podcast here. So when we were looking for inspiration, uh, Ryan and I will read all sorts of blogs online and Kevin MD and CNN and Huffing HuffPost and all sorts of things. And it's called HuffPo. 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 Oh, sorry. I don't tweet. I'm not up on all this stuff. There's nothing to do with tweeting. I just use computers. (laughs) Okay, anyway. uh, As I was saying. So we started reading and reading and reading. And reading for hours, actually. And uh, after the baby went to bed. And I was somewhat, maybe not somewhat, I was pretty darn disappointed because a lot of the articles that I read this evening were all about people leaving medicine, leaving medicine and doing other things or or being disgruntled and giving up. And maybe that's not fair because people leave medicine for very valid reasons. Sometimes they need to, they're ill, they have other interests, they they want to grow and do new things, other things. But the 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 um impetus behind these folks leaving was that they were disgruntled and in particular this one post that we read uh was by a medical student who actually left medical school right as she was about to graduate and decided to uh create a startup and some of you out there who may be i don't know maybe you're physicians and you're doing something totally different or maybe you're entrepreneurs or maybe you're i don't know maybe you're like you're a physician with a podcast <laughs> Maybe you do something completely outside of the medical world and you're just you just happen to like listening to the medical school headquarters podcast. I don't know. So I just want to say it as, as a disclaimer. I am not judging. I am a physician and a mom and a wife and, and I know about what I know. And But I, I do know that I feel sad when I see people leaving medicine because they're disgruntled with the current status of things. And so when I read this, I was I was just really troubled and I talked about it with Ryan and I said, you know, I really think we need to respond to this. I think we should talk about it. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Oh, see, so you have me, you know, talk about it and then you just want me to keep talking. All yeah, right. I keep talking. No, so so again, Kevin MD, the title of this article is Leaving Medical School for a Startup and with no regrets. Period. And with no regrets. 
And as Allison said, it's written by a former medical student. And we'll have a link to the post in in the show notes, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash 131 for episode 131. And it what's interesting is, as I would hope all medical students start, she, she kind of writes this article in, in chronological order. And so she starts off by talking about starting medical school and how excited she was and right yeah you you were gonna well no i just wanted to say even before we jump into the article itself i think the reason that ryan and i felt strongly about talking about this too is that a lot of you out there are pre-med and you are about to step into medical school or you are eagerly desperately trying to get into medical school to start on your journey and so we want to continue to try to impart on you the fact that this is a well worth, uh, it's well worth doing, it's well worth believing in, it is not worth giving up on, despite the fact that it is there, that it is a troubled day and age we live in in some ways. We are in a day and age in the medical world, in the medical community in the United States and in other countries where things are not perfect. And so when There are disgruntled folks out there who are upset and they are putting uh, blog posts out there telling potentially some of you, don't do it. Ryan and I feel this burning desire that we have to step in and say, wait, 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 wait. So that's why we're talking about this. I just had to sort of say that before we jump in. I thought thought that was a given. Well, I don't know. I just thought it needed more. (laughs) So anyway, now, yes. So we're going to sort of respond to it in the chronological order that she talks about it. Yeah. And, and the first thing she talks about is being so excited that she got her acceptance letter and going to a friend and who was a physician and saying... Who she grew up admiring. Grew, grew up admiring the family doctor and, and he goes, get out now. Yeah. Which, shame on him. Shame. Shame. <laughs> How dare him? I want to go deck him. I mean, this woman got into medical school. She's about to start. And by the way, she is. She was at Penn. She was at a really great... I mean, they're all great. But she was at freaking Penn. And this for guy... For medical school. Yeah. You don't know where she was. For medical school. Yeah. yeah. And this physician has the gall to, to step in and just completely poop on all of her dreams. Like, immediately. Oh, what? And also, all of the, the drive and the, the... You all know, right? You're in the thick of it now. You know how hard it is. And the, the pre-med journey, every Every single minute and day and week that you are fighting and trying so hard. And here's this guy who just walks over and says, oh, get out now. I mean, come on. So, yeah, big mistake on his part. So it's it's interesting. He he goes on and she quotes him by saying the profession isn't what it used to be. You should you should expect rising malpractice premiums, falling reimbursement, expansion of record keeping, blah, 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 blah. This is stuff that if you've been in medicine for 15, 20, 30 years, you've heard the same thing over and over and over again. And I, I find it funny. I, I always go back to ZDog MZ, Zubin Demania, who I had on back in episode 29. So you can find that at medicalschoolhq.net slash 29. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. So Zubin... Demania, who's an internet personality and a healthcare tra- transformational dude trying to transform healthcare, he uh, grew up with physicians as parents. 
And so he told a story about his father when he was a kid, always complaining about healthcare and how it's changing and how it's not the way it used to be. People will find a way to complain about stuff they cannot control. Yes. And you know, I think in some ways, if you look back, the the beauty of the age of the sort of gods and goddesses of medicine is past. And and we look at it with nostalgia. Those of us who didn't sort of grow up in that culture and, you know, years and years ago, uh, where we didn't have this electronic med- medical record and we didn't have all of the pressures of the private insurance companies, it was a golden age, people refer to it as, in medicine, where you had these giants, these amazing, intelligent mentors who who taught you medicine just by the way that they would interact with patients and how they would they would teach you at the bedside. The days of that are, I'm sorry, but they it's not that they're gone, but they have shifted. And I think that groaning and complaining and being pissed off about that age being moving on and, and being done are not helpful right? We are in the, the year 2015. We are not in 1950. We are not in 1865. We are in 2015. And things progress. Things change. If they didn't change, we might, women might not still have, might not have the right to vote. Um, they, <laughs> I mean, it would be crazy. There would be all sorts of stuff that was just not right in the world. Things change. My grandfather used to say, there are three things you can expect in life and one of them is change. So you know what? Instead of moaning and complaining about things, we need to embrace the future, embrace the now and deal with the fact that things have changed. So when he's complaining here and he's listing all these things that she needs to be aware of and how this is not the age, who cares? Because the age of medicine that she is going to grow up in is not the age that this old fuddy-duddy did. So it's not it's not <laughs> applicable. It's not applicable. And it's not helpful to her because all it does is it gives her disappointment and frustration from all of the crap that he's upset about. And it, it's not fostering her development. It's not teaching her anything. It's not, it's not, um, you know, driving her to, to go forward and to join the community of physicians who we desperately need to help the patients who we also need to take care of in this country. So anyway, I, yes, I'm just reading that paragraph about what he said to her. Just, it just makes my blood boil. Clearly. I can see that. So okay. what, what were the other two things? Uh, taxes, and I kind of always forget the third one. Death. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> wow. Yes, you remembered. Good job. Good I remember. Job. That's a common saying. Yeah, well, I'm glad your grandfather said it to you. He said it's a common did. thing. Well, you know, change is hard, but it's but we need change. It's part of how we grow. And he and she says here, she says though not encouraging, his words had no hope of deflating me. Okay, good. So good. she wasn't phased initially. She was strong. And she talks about meeting all of her other fellow first-year students and hearing about all the wonderful things they did, and and she was in awe, and she was just ready for it. And then an article came out a couple months after starting medical school that she said the cracks began to show. Now, this article, we, we opened it up, and you were like, I know this article. This article made me mad, too. Mm-hmm. Talk about this article. So this was an op-ed in the New York Times, and it was from actually June of 2011. So in all of my busyness and residency, I had just not ever seen this, and probably because I wasn't, uh, I didn't have enough time to be reading the Times when I was a resident. Nonetheless, uh, when I read this article recently, because it was it was all over the web uh, sometime recently, my blood kind of did a little boiling there too. Because it, so there's a common thread here. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I can, you know, it's, it's good to get passionate about things. Live life with passion, I always say. So this woman, this is uh, Dr. Siebert. So she is a, she's an anesthesiologist and a mother of four. And she wrote this piece back in 2011. And it was all about working part-time and how she did not approve of that. As, as a female physician, she did not approve of the more recent, I don't want to say trend, because I don't know that it's a trend, but there are... Uh, probably more female physicians now practicing part-time than there might have been at yeah, one time. Well, in yeah. the article, she quotes it. Since 2005, there's a 62% increase. Okay, so big-time increase. Um, but she basically, I mean, she's pretty She's pretty cutthroat. She goes, she's she's pretty heartless, I have to say. Um, she goes she's, through this. She's basically saying it's a waste of money for American taxpayers. For Yes, for a woman physician to go and work part-time at yeah. some point. And, and she's saying this as a mom of four. And what really made me very angry is that at the very end, she talks about how, um, you know, she never took cupcakes to her children's homerooms or drove carpool, but she read them bedtime stories and made it to their sock. You know, she... She basically says, I've worked full days and many nights. I haven't done, you know, I haven't brought the cupcakes to, you know, or been at all the plays, but, but I mean, but I, I was still there. That's all fine. But she's basically saying, if you're going to be a physician, you're not going to, you shouldn't be part-time period. And I, I'm, I'm actually as a physician now, I'm working four days a week. I'm about to go back to five days a week in short order. But for me, that was a really important um, decision that I made. And it was really good for my daughter. And you know what, at the end of the day, it doesn't have anything to do with me. What made me mad about this is that here is this woman physician out there telling other people how they're supposed to work and run their lives as physicians. And she also, you know, she put the, the gender sort of Thing in there about how you know although maybe it wasn't the gender thing the point is that she, she she took the parent card and kind of put it in your face like look if you want to be a good parent and a good physician you really if you're going to be a doctor you have to be a physician full-time you can't be with your kids at all um you know show up for their school plays and but but don't be at home enough that you can make cupcakes i mean it just it just did not sit right in my head it just it, it felt like um really um, just, just again, pooping on other people and their decisions about how they want to to work as physicians. It really it bothered me. So she now, um, Gina, this this um, prior medical student, was talking about how this article sort of ripped through her classroom and, and started a lot of discord among herself and and her fellow uh, med students. It brought to the front, you know. Could female physicians take time off and still be the doctors that, quote, Americans deserve? So, again, it's an article, right? Why does that mean it has to start breaking away at the foundation of you and your desire to practice medicine? Question mark. Yeah. And she goes on to post a link to a response that her and some of her classmates um made in Time magazine in in a an article titled Can Doctors Have Work-Life Balance? Medical Students Discuss with a, a physician and uh, this girl Gina, this medical student Gina. And it's it's basically it looks like it's just a question and answer about um, their thoughts on the topic. Yeah, they offer their their perspectives and and it was good, but she makes this point here overachievers aren't used to being told they're coming up short. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. I mean, come on. (laughs) 
it's like it, it makes me feel like how much toil and and heartache did she have to go through to get into medical school if she's getting that unnerved and that um that just just unnerved by by these two by this article she writes a response to it which i thought was great okay so then then what happens she starts to talk about her training and then exactly she gets into second third year fourth year and and we've talked about this before as just the the constant drain of the medical school training and how that leaves us as physicians. We get a little burnt out, we our empathy goes away, we get a little jaded, we get a little mad, we blame everything on the patients. And and she talks about how this is kind of getting to her throughout the whole process. And she she says uh, she links to a poll of first year medical students that talk about they why they chose to go to medical school. And and most of them say they chose to go to medical school to serve their community and make a difference, which whoop de doo we I've always said this, if if you want to go to quote unquote medical school because you want to help people, um, then go do something else. There's there's other reasons to go to medical school. Help, you can help people by being a, a teller at the bank. You can help people by being a, a bagger at the grocery store. There's got to be something more than helping your community and making a difference. And so maybe maybe that's where we're getting off is, uh, of, of this topic and, and students are kind of losing their ways because they, they have this ideal of, I want to help people and make a difference. And, and that's just... Well, it's a great ideal, but I think it, it needs to be grounded in more. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think it's... <sighs> there's something about paying your dues and... I'm not, I certainly, I've been there. I was a medical student for four years. I was a resident for four years. I had plenty of days where I did a lot of tasks. I, I performed a lot of tasks, which felt uh, never meaningless, but frustrating. I sent faxes. I, um, gosh, I, I'm sure I got coffee. I know I did for people at one time or another. I, I cleaned blood off the floor. I mean, I, I transported patients. I drew my own blood. I did plenty of things which other you know people might think that's insane. Why would you do that? That's a waste of your time. Hell, she they, talks it, about this. They, here. Yeah, they, they right, but she talks about it with with frustration and yeah. and to the point that it's that's yeah. really upsetting. I'm I'm at Penn. Do you expect me to? Well, and and anybody like at any this? medical school could yeah. could could sort of adopt that philosophy. Hey, I'm a medical student. Why should I be deciphering handwritten notes or receiving faxes? We used to think it was fun. I mean, we, there was a time when we were on call as medical students. We would go around to the charts and be like can we decipher this renal attendings uh note you know who can figure this out can you i can't no i have no idea what that said i I still joke about that today exactly people people hand me a paper be like yes i went to medical school so i I can can learn how to read that i can read that um or you know getting on the phone and waiting on hold for someone or i mean there are all sorts of things but there is a point to each task it's all in in service of the patient and there's something about paying your dues I think that when I look back at all these sort of tasks that I did, I do not look back with um, with sort of anger or, you know, gosh, how did they, how could they have put me through that? No, it was all part of what I was there to do. It was part of of learning to learn uh, the system, learn, learn yes, everything, learn the that system, goes along with it. and and also and learn some humility. Mm-hmm. I will never ever forget being a medical student. Um, I think after my first year being a medical student. Uh, in an ER in Boston, I was shadowing in between the first and second year, trying to figure out if I wanted to emergency medicine. And I saw an attending carrying a 
uh, carton. It was it was a carton of urine. He was carrying it away from a patient's bed. And one of the residents turned to him and said, Dr. So-and-so, you don't need to do that. And he said, everybody plays a part. It's just another job to do. And it, I, it blew my mind and it made so much sense. Here's an attending. What, you know, somebody might think, oh my God, an attending physician carrying some urine? You know, there's got to be somebody who's who's better, you know, who's, who should be doing that instead. But that's the point. There, You're going to do a lot of things as a medical student, which may not seem like they are worthwhile doing at the time or they make sense. They all serve a purpose and it's and it's about paying your dues. If you go and become a chef, are you going to be creating four star meals, you know, for for the top restaurants in the world immediately? No, you're going to be cutting carrots for a while. If you're in law school, are you going to be as a first year associate when you finish, you're going to be working 100 million hours a week in every profession. There is there is something about paying your dues. So that I think there's I know there based on reading a lot of articles and seeing this discussion come up a lot in various fields is there's this generational divide with millennials not or the the appearance of millennials not wanting to pay their dues and and you talk about chefs i have a family member that went to culinary school and started off at the very bottom of the food chain in the kitchen and decided he didn't want to spend his days cutting carrots. He wanted to to be the head chef immediately, and, and now he's not in the kitchen anymore because he didn't want to do that. And you hear day in and day out of these stories of, of college graduates that aren't taking entry-level jobs because they think they're too good for that. And as a physician, we are set up from day one in a hierarchical structure to start at the bottom and learn and work our way up. And there's a great book that we'll we'll link to or maybe we'll talk about it eventually that that goes through the whole history of residency training and how it started at John Hopkins was the first residency program. It started as an unpaid internship. You were basically an apprentice working in the hospital, unpaid, hanging out and learning. Yep, and there are a lot of problems with our system. Ryan and I will be the first to tell you that. It's but like anything, it is in it is changing. It is changing before our eyes. It is in transition. If you think back and you look at just the changes that have occurred in the last decade or two alone. In 2003, the AC, ACGME stepped in and made work hour regulations. They changed them. They changed them again in 2011, just a few years ago. It is a system that has problems, but it is in the midst of changing currently as we speak. So to go and say that you're the, uh, she says it right here. She says that the system um, emerging in the hospital, it beat the faith out of most of us. Just is so saddening to me. I mean, it just, it's so sad. Saddening? Sad. Is that a word? It's not a word. It makes me sad. Um, <laughs> it does because it's a grind. You got to just, just, just embrace it and move forward and know that if it's a, if you're finding yourself in, you know, spending 12% of your day at the, at uh, the patient's bedside and the other 88%, how do you like that math? 88% of your day with uh, the computer, it's not going to be like that forever. I can tell you, I as a physician today, I do not spend 88% of my time at the computer. There and, and for physicians out there who are frustrated and who are moving to Canada or they are uh, just just feel like this current system we have in the United States is not working for them and they need to do something else, okay, but... I, it's so important to me to let you all know and to try to impart the message that 
just because there are articles that come out and people that come out of the woodwork and, and try to tell you not to pursue the career that you so want to pursue and the statistics about 12% of the time with your patients, these are identifying problems, right? But they are not, they should not shake the core foundation of who you are and who you want to be and the dream that you have to practice medicine. Because if it is your calling and if it truly is what you feel that you were destined, that you were put on this earth to do, then nobody and know how should change that, should shake that foundation for you. You should be able to continue on your path and just brush that stuff off your back and, and march forward. Okay, I think that's enough. I think we'll end there. <laughs> wow, Allison Gray, the motivational speaker. <laughs> Maybe I miss my calling as a motivational speaker. I'm just kidding. Wow. No, I, I, I don't know. Look, You're I'm passionate about this. One. I am. I, I care about the future of medicine. I do, and I care about you all and how hard you work because we get your emails and we get your tweets. I don't get them, but Ryan does, <laughs> and we get your Facebook posts. We get all of it, and we know from being in your shoes at one point ourselves how much you want it. And so it just makes me so devastated when I see people like this poor girl who is literally now she may be the happiest girl in the world right now. She, it sounds like has a pretty successful app. We didn't even mention what she's doing now. She's, um, helping to pair primary care physicians with specialists and helping them get answers um, for their questions kind of in a, a, you know, very quickly. And, and she's delighted and I hope that she is happy, but to me, I, I do not want you all to be out there reading this stuff and, and letting it, like it did for her, shake your core and tell you that this is not what you should be doing. You Like David, who is in high school, and all of you out there from, what, maybe you're in second grade and you're listening to this, do not let second this stuff sh- you know, change your mind. Don't. And if, if, you're, if you're freaked out- There, or you there start, are plenty of things to let you change your mind, but this shouldn't be one of them. This should not be one of them. People telling you not to do it, um, statistics that you read, be informed, but don't, don't let it, don't let it uh, make you run away. Yeah. Because we need you. We need you. You just don't want to do all the work yourself. No, I think I love, that's what you're getting I to. love my job. That's why I'm talking about this, Dan. I just I I want you all to know that it's still okay. It's still great. It's not just okay. It's great. I come home all the time and talk to Ryan about how much I love my job and the interesting patients I saw. And yes, there are frustrations that we deal with every day. And we tell you all about that all the time. But that's part of life. There's nothing in life that that is worth doing that is perfect. And that is going. It's not like you're going to get to the end of the rainbow and there's a pot of gold and, you know, a huge um, number of patients waiting to meet you and and shake your hand and whatever. I mean, it's 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 a profession and and it's a calling. It has its problems, but but stay true to who you are and don't let this stuff shake you. I like it. All right, what do you think about that? Go to medicalschoolhq.net/slash/131. Continue the conversation there and let us know. Have have you been told not to do it? Is there a mentor out there, a physician that you've shadowed that has kind of laughed at you, going? Why do you want to be a physician? I, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't do it. Have, have you encountered that person? Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash 131. Share your stories there. We'd be interested to hear them. So awesome. Allison, thanks for uh, sharing your passion tonight. Always. I'm sure everybody loved hearing that. I hope. I enjoyed it. Well, good. That's good. Uh, again, we'll have links to the articles in the show notes, medicalschoolhq.net slash 131. If you 
got something enjoyable out of today's podcast, something knowledgeable, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. We will be forever indebted to you because every time you do that, iTunes gives us a little bit more uh, love and and shows us to more students listening and looking for shows like ours. So again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes for that. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, go to oldpremeds.org slash conference. If you're listening to this at the end of June, uh, end of May, beginning of June 2015, you can check out their 15th uh, annual uh, Old Pre-Meds Conference in Los Angeles, California, June 11th through 13th. If you're listening to this after, you can still go check it out. Hopefully there are still annual conferences um, when you are looking and you can go. So uh, as always, I hope you got a ton of great information out of today's podcast, and I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters.